0: Okay, so uh, this evening it's Wade and I, and uh, James is uh, on sabbatical. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I thought this is a tonight's show is something that I've been wanting to do for a while now, um, where I talk to Wade about. Role-playing games, uh, specifically tabletop role-playing games, uh, it's something that I've been peripherally interested in in a while. And Wade is is our local expert. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you categorize yourself? I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I mean, sure. Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, I'm a big old dork. I
0: yeah. Well, you've
1: got. So I hear you have questions about the <laughs> like <you'd> sitting around, <laughs> turning my chair around, sitting in it backwards and. So you want to you want to hear about uh some some tabletop RPGs. Huh? Yeah. And for the sake of discussion
0: today, I think uh because there's you know there's the distinction between D&D and then you know D&D is a brand and a game within the larger tabletop RPG world, but it's like Sure
1: you can just say d You know, it's yeah. like
0: baseball, baseball baseball is a game, but everybody talks about the MLB. Nobody's talking about the Pacific Coast League or South Korean baseball. Whenever they talk about mm-hmm. baseball, they talk right, about the. Right. And I think it's it's similar to say for D&D. Was is that a, a correct assumption?
1: Yeah, more or less. I mean, there's there's yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Some nerds might get mad about that, but nah, cuz I mean there's role playing games for science fiction and traveler and, and all and everything in between, you know, every, every IP nowadays is got some lonely nerd that is going to make an RPG out of it that they sell to like three people and nobody ever plays. Okay. It.
0: Well that, that kind of gets into my, that kind of dovetails nicely into my, some data that I was kind of going through, uh, just in, in, in prepping for tonight. Uh, I kind of want to hit you with this. This is a, an article about wizards of the coast, uh, uh-huh and uh they're i guess they're owned by Hasbro now. They are now, yeah. And they they're the current owners of D&D, right? Uh-huh. That's yes. The wizard. Okay, so uh in a conference call uh with interim uh CEO Rich Stoddard, uh they told an an analysts that tabletop games accounted for 74% of the 1.3 billion in sales for the segment uh, in 2021. Um which grew At a blistering 44% rate. Oh, yeah. It's been insane. Digital games were 26% of this segment and grew at a slower but robust 36% rate. So um, that was the first bit of information I wanted to talk about. They are, you know, the biggest name in tabletop RPGs is doing an ungodly amount of, of business. How big is the D&D community? Well, according to DungeonVault.com, there are an estimated 3 million
1: tabletop... Dun- dungeon Vault? That sounds like a biased uh, publication, but... <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, this is from 2019. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's probably... There are th- an estimated 3 million tabletop dungeon masters worldwide. The average D&D group consists of five players and a dm there are, are an estimated 3.7 million active tabletop D&D players um the April 13th 2022 report that dungeons and dragons was actually purchased by wizards of the, of the coast for uh 146.3 million dollars uh, so like that one thing alone is is a huge part of their portfolio uh if you look mm-hmm. on the uh this is a, from a website called uh drama dice which uh has a nice article about search uh, queries on Google about which there's like 500,000 DD related uh you know uh, queries and the second one is Shadow sure. Shadowrun at 90,000 Starfinder at uh 60,000, Pathfinder, uh, 40,000, Call of Cthulhu, Cuth- oh, how do you say that? C- Cthulhu. Cthulhu, yes, I'm sorry. Call of Cthulhu. Is that 30,000, Star Wars RPG, Star Wars, which is, you know, like a mm-hmm. the biggest thing on the planet for like our entire lives is only at 30,000, uh, 30, uh, Blades in the Dark, which is something I've never even heard of, is at 20,000. I've heard of that one. Stars Without Number 15,000, uh powered by the Apocalypse 15,000, Cyberpunk Red 15,000, uh-huh. Das d and uh, 15,000 Dungeon World 12,000 and
1: Warhammer is at 10,000. Um the huh. Warhammer role playing, not to be confused with the tabletop game. I think
0: so. I it... think that's I think that's yeah, what, yeah, it, yeah. what it yeah, is. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense
1: cuz 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 the Warhammer Miniatures game does pretty well, but yeah, right, yeah. But Warhammer gaming probably does. Yeah, that that sounds about right for those numbers. So
0: my my whole point yeah, with with all this this data
1: is is that
0: this is just a, like if you're not playing Dungeons and Dragons, right. there are millions li- millions of people who are, and it makes an ungodly amount of money.
1: Yeah, and most of those most of those like that you just recited. Well, they're after it was. Shadowrun, which is its own kind of thing, but then after that, Starfinder and Pathfinder are basically D anD D as well. Like, probably Starfinder was so high in the search results from that article you found because it had just been released around that time, I think. Ah. Uh, and was, yeah, yeah. Well, so and it's a, yeah, whatever. I don't have to go into it.
0: I from the outside looking in. um I kind of wanted. I've always kind of been kind of curious about it, and it's only gaining more steam in the public consciousness. Uh, To that point, there's an extremely, extremely popular uh, podcast called Critical Role. It's a it's a show that I've never listened to. Um, Critical Role has an estimated net worth of over uh, fifteen million dollars. Uh, oh, it's, it's worth noting that Critical Kroll is an LLC and has multiple stakeholders from Twitch, Merch, and YouTube alone Critical Role makes $164.77 per month, that was from March 19th, 2022 so yeah. not only is D&D a big uh, thing in and of itself, D&D based entertainment has emerged in the last few years as something that's so big that from the outside looking in you cannot escape it <laughs> so yeah um we are star trek people and and you know we like star trek adjacent things a couple <laughs> years ago humble <laughs> bundle uh had a deal for a star trek uh tabletop rpg like bundle and it was really affordable what was it wait it was like five bucks and you get like a bunch of bunch of books
1: yeah, I can't remember which one I I did, but yeah, I got a bunch of those books. And I read, I, I first read them this afternoon, where I just flip it through. So well, yeah. yeah, and I
0: and that was my whole thing. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is, seems like a proper entry point. This was probably in 2020, I think, when this happened. This has been two, it's yeah. been two years now that this has been.
1: It's been while, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, we should do something with that, yeah, and never... <laughs> or or at least take a look
0: at it or whatever. Yeah. But I. Right. I opened it up and I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck is there? Yeah. There's not one manual here. There's several manuals here. I don't understand how they relate to each other. Now, the first manual says the role playing game starter rules. And the name of this is called Star Trek adventures, the role playing game. Um, First off, let's, before we get into the Star Trek adventures, let's, let's just talk to me like it. uh, I'm a kindergartner about what, tabletop the, the history the brief history of it is it, it was invented by Gary Gax in the nineteen seventies. Is that correct? That's
1: more or less there's Gary Gygax, Gygax and Dave Arneson. We're all getting yeah, yeah. And it was like an outreach of uh basically historical miniature battles games like that people would make and then Gygax and was like, Oh, what if we do one with like knights and then he's added wizards into it. And it was just like a – it was like Warhammer basically, like a terrain thing except like a lot, lot less complicated and then probably – but anyways, it was like just a wargaming thing. And then they added – then there was a thing called Chainmail where they started putting uh, like wizards and art, artillery, magic artillery and stuff. And then Chainmail was starting uh, to turn it into, into just a battle simulator into like a little bit more – Role playing, though in the early games, it was a lot more like depending on whoever. I mean, every the rules were so complicated and like basically just nobody played the game the same way. And to an extent, almost you just have to whoever the DM was could read the rules, and everybody kind of hacked it their own way to an extent. Okay, so
0: the basic the like what is the difference between Dungeons and okay, so Dungeons and Dragons is you have a book, right? You have like a manual that tells you how to play the game, and then the the people
1: the are part- three of them, <laughs> or three of them, depending on yeah. Well, there's like the dungeon master, the classic D D trifecta is the dungeon master's guide, the player's handbook, and then the monster manual. Awesome. Like, so that's all the things you've.
0: Why, what, like, just nuts and bolts? Uh, why, why not have them in one volume? Why do you need to have three separate books? That's a. That's like my next question. Well,
1: most games that come out now are just like one book, and even even D and D as it is now it has kind of like a, a legacy they where they keep to that format, but like you really only need the player's handbook to play the game. The, the dungeon master, that's got all the rules that you need to play the game in it. And then now, that used to be that the dungeon master had all these extra rules that the players might not know and need to know. And so there's all this extra stuff. But now you just really need the player's handbook, the dungeon master's guides, just extra shit on top of it. You don't need to play the game. So what is a dungeon, what's a dungeon master called in other games? Uh, usually games master, sometimes it's the judge but the game master is just the, the GM is because Wizards of the Coast or Dungeons and Dragons trademarked the term dungeon master. Sure. So legally, I don't think any other game can call it. They just call it the game master most of the time. So the game master is somebody who has
0: read everything T to B, right?
1: Usually. I mean, you know, anybody can do it. That's the thing. Like, But, like, yeah, when you get your nerds, especially nowadays you know that they want to codify everything and so yeah most of the time the for the most part the gm is going to be the guy that knows the rules the best and but then there's there's all these archetypes of players like the rules liar is like the guy that's going to be like no actually that's the the it's supposed to do it this way okay and, but that goes yeah. into that that that's most a of, subculture
0: thing that's that's yeah, that's yeah, deeper yeah, than yeah. I that I'm I, mean, I can fathom
1: right now. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. the the GM is a guy that creates the world that the I mean, if you're gonna they're the computer that the players are interacting with. Okay,
0: so the just- the game that's what that was that goes nicely to my next question, which is the dungeon master or game master is not actually playing the game. They're just like the operating system basically for the game.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean it's just that they're playing. It's just they they're they've got different objectives, I guess, Do,
0: <laughs> you know, they, they don't have a character though.
1: Originally, it, it like early D and D was a lot more combative to where it was like the GM is actively out to kill the characters and it's all about beating them. But most of the time for most role playing games, the, the GM is, you know, once people is there to make sure that the players have fun and, you know, that everybody has fun and that's part of the fun of, for the GM is it you know, Hmm. You're you're a giver, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know. But you know, we want everybody to have a good time, so you can create your story or your world, and pe- people want to have fun playing in it. And that's that's the fun. that's I think I think from you know for most people, I think that's the fun, and and there, people get different things out of it. There's the people that just want to kill monsters. There's people that just want a story, and then there's people that want to interact with the lore. Everybody brings their own. Uh, shit to the table basically
0: what like everybody brings what they need to get out of it to the table
1: yeah and then part of it is finding a table or gm that you mesh with that you want that does the stuff that you want out of it and being a good being a good game master is you know reading the room and and you know making it fun for people. So
0: when you it's were, simplest thing. when you were doing your live show and for our audience, you may or may not realize this, Wade had a live show in Brooklyn. That was a D and D based uh, comedy show where he would, he would play a game live in front of an audience and have like rotating guests. Is that
1: correct? Is that like a, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, well, we did it in Queens more than we did in Brooklyn, but yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. We did in Brooklyn too. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, just, Sorry to get, sorry to be pedantic, like a fucking no, no, uh, no nerd over Uh, yeah, we did a, a live show. I did. I used to do like a variety show with this comedy team that I did everything with when I was doing shows, and then then we started doing a live D show where we would play on stage and have like a guest comedian, and then. Often we would inter- we invite players from the audience to come up, and so we, you know, we'd have three to f- five people on stage. And then, like, I had a whole setting that I created for that show. And then I w- would, we'd have the uh, conceit would be that in the tavern where uh, all the uh, stories start, we'd have the usually a comedian do a part of their show on stage, so they could do five minutes, and then then we'd go into the that go into the, the D D shit. So you were the dungeon master, is that correct for this for this week? Most of the weekend time, and we we, kinda... we traded out a little bit, but yeah, I was the primary. guy.
0: So the the dungeon master, you're in in your capacity as dungeon master, were you like were you, are you writing now? What are you doing? Are you writing storylines based off of what is offered in the manual? I guess that's that's my question.
1: Yeah, I mean, depending on well doing a live show where you're not cuz i mean people will you know the you can play for hours some people will write things out but you can't write the story cuz you got to improvise it's a lot of it's improv- improvising cuz on the fly like you might have an outline of where where you think the characters are going and some people will be more inclined to go with the go with what the gm is laying out for them some people are like no i want to do this other thing and Depending on the style of game, the GM might be like, "Fuck it, no, I got this thing over here. You have to do." Hmm. Or they might be like, "All right, you don't want to go to the the uh, dungeon that I spent two, 12 hours uh, prepping oh. for. Fine, I guess we go. Are going to go piss in this fountain because that's what you want to do." <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so
0: you have to like. There's got to be there's got to be a, a little bit of like
1: synchronicity then <laughs> like you have to <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean and part of that is just like being upfront about what's going on what kind of game you're playing okay uh, yeah and finding people that you mesh with it's, you know, i mean yeah people that play enough can figure out what what's going on depends on some some yeah and newer players are a little more inclined just to be like uh tell me what to do and then the GMO going, like, Okay, well here's here's a monster, go fight it, or this NPC that I've created is telling you this sob story about this dragon in this cave. It's pretty obviously that the story is setting you up to go fight this dragon in that cave or whatever. So
0: uh, a person, uh, kind of like a famous Twitter person that I think that we've we have shared tweets from. Mm-hmm. Like, I think at one point all three of us have seen t- from Thomas Violence. You know who I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got he the serious man, uh, like avatar or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he, I I saw I, I I saved this this because I he, I know he's making a D and D reference here, but I don't like i can like grok what he's talking about do you know the tweet i'm talking about I have no idea. Okay, I'm going to read it real quick. It's from Thomas Violence. uh, Forgive me because whoever posted this tweet on Tumblr didn't. like They cropped out the date and the time, so I don't know whenever he wrote it. Uh, But it says, uh, quote, Oftentimes I look at the skills and knowledge I've cultivated and feel like that moment when you play an RPG for the first time and you realize you've built a character all wrong after finally figuring out how the game works. So I know that that's more of... you know, a commentary on like, you know, figuring out like navigating real life or whatever. But I don't understand. So yeah, in RPGs, you build your character before the game happens. And that's where a lot of time that's where game manuals come in. Like, how do you know how to build a character and what goes into that is what my my question? Uh,
1: yeah, well, for depends on the game is the the, the cop out. But for the most part most dip games will have character creation rules. Like there you have your six stats and you roll dice to see what they are. Or some games most like D&D now for skews more towards here's a standard point buy of how many points are allotted to for your skills. It's like, it's like with video games. A lot of RPGs have the same mechanics because when they started ripping off from D or whatever but like so you'll roll like classic D, you'll roll 3d6 and add that up and then that's at uh, 3d6 like six times or whatever and that's your strength your agility your your strength dexterity uh, charisma wisdom uh, whatever one i'm missing intelligence and and so you have whatever your attributes are, and then you say, oh, my god, smart. I'm going to put, depending on the game, you're like, okay, I'm going to be, a." You, then you might choose your class as a wizard because you see that he's intelligence and your intelligent guy, your smart guy is going to be casting spells. So you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to be a spellcaster. Or you might be like, uh, this guy, had I put, a ball, put all the uh, points into strength, I'm going to make him hit things harder. You know? Hmm. And it all depends on. It all depends on like what the manual
0: said, as far as the limits of what characters can do for certain. Now it's 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 job based. Is that how? I, if I understand that, basically it's like characters are job based.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, in the simplest uh versions of the games, it's like okay, an expert. I feel like there's there's
0: an invisible expert that could the interject on this podcast and tell you how you're wrong and you're worried about the, like, the invisible expert. Yeah. But, but I don't know.
1: Well, because, <laughs> well, like, D&D now, like, mo- the big thing is fifth edition D&D, like, where you have your background, you have your race. Oh. Your background, you know, race, like, are you an elf or a human or a hobbit or whatever? Oh. Your background is, like, your. are I'm a street urchin or I'm a, a noble. And then your class is, like, I'm a wizard. I'm a, a thief or a rogue. I'm a cleric or I'm a fighter, which is just got with a sword or whatever. And they each do different things. Hmm. And so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Or and then you know, a, a classic D and D was like, okay, you can pick your class. You have six uh, strength that to your roots, and you have your class, and that's mostly it. That, or if you're an elf, your class is your race because there's no i'm an elf ranger it's like no you're just an elf and Uh-oh. that's what you pick and elves can do it but then the games changed a lot so now everybody you start off like well i'm an elf uh cleric or i'm an elf barbarian or you know whatever that's weird little class that somebody's cooked up for something huh yeah all right
0: well Look, if you if you do you have the manual in front of you, or is it hard for you? Or like, is it uh for that Star Trek game? Yeah, because I kind of wanted to go through it in a little bit and just kind of like pick your brain about what we're looking at.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this one confused me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I, well, it's a whole different system. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, well, this is not. I mean, it's like I could read three hundred forty-seven pages of it and tell you how it works, but I, I couldn't find just like okay, just tell me how this. St- I didn't. I'm sure there's – I didn't – I went straight to the core book. Oh, see. Which I should have just looked at the easy startup rules. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at the 24-page PDF.
1: Oh, That's what I should have whipped out first. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I knew. Yeah. This shit. So I was like – Because what you
0: yeah. – like the bigger book, like I didn't even mess with that yet because – I was intimidated by the, this PDF is it like the 24 page PDF is intimidating to me.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, cuz it's it's a whole different game system cuz I this is by Motifus, I think is the yes. publisher on this one and they have a whole system that that they use just for all their own uh properties which they have a lot of. I think I think the Dune RPG that came out with the movie is by them.
0: Oh, so they have a proprietary system that they could shoehorn license worked into. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. I think that's what. The,
1: yeah. Is that bad? Have you ever played? I think they had a Doctor Who one for a have while. Have you ever played a? a mo- I haven't. I I've heard. I think I've heard people like this the Star Trek one. I think. Um, I, I, I don't think I like the system so much. It's a little bit more. Most mostly now. D&D is like okay you have a d20 you have a target number you roll the d20 you add your modifiers based on whatever your attribute is and if you hit that number with the d20 then you succeed. Okay,
0: see this says this says Star Trek okay, Starfleet needs a new crew. Star Trek Adventures is a role-playing game using the 2d20 system. Is that similar to what you're talking about?
1: No, it's a different system for this one, so it's a it's probably. But d twenty is a similar. It's a die. Oh, okay, that's a... yeah, it's the same. Yeah, okay. That's the that's the die that you roll. Yeah, D and D nowadays has a a two D. They have a advantage disadvantage me- mechanic to where if something's hard, you roll two two d twenty and take the lower uh, die roll, or if you have advantage you gain an advantage somehow you roll 2d20 and take the higher one Hmm. uh this is a different this is i think it's like a more closer to a dice pool system which i don't have a lot of familiarity with i've played a few games
0: yeah there's there's a challenge dice uh
1: like aspect to it um it's probably really simple once you uh grok it but like but I don't quite have a feel for this one just yet.
0: You know, the char- each character has several statistics inclu- uh, indicating their competency with uh, different physical and mental attributes as well as their expertise in various disciplines. Attributes. A character has six attributes ranging from 7 to 12.
1: That's classic D&D. And it's all... They're probably variations on the classic ones.
0: They're control, daring, fitness, insight... Uh, presence and reason okay yeah so yeah you think that there's analogs probably analogs to those yeah um, the disciplines uh, um the star, tr- star a character has six disciplines based on their training in Starfleet command con security engineering science and medicine um and then there's focuses focuses represent specialized subjects about which the character has more precise knowledge or expertise. These focuses can be any topic, excuse me, and apply to any attribute plus discipline combination where focus is relevant to the task. Examples, astro-navigation, astrophysics, cybernetics, diplomacy, Mm -hmm. espionage, EVA, uh, exotectonics, uh, genetics, hand phasers, hand-to-hand combat, like... That's kind of I don't know I don't know what that means, Yet. but it sounds cool that you could have a character built who I guess depending on the story is an expert in genetics, right? Like if, yeah. So is the goal to re to is to like create your own Star Trek episode essentially?
1: I yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think. Okay. Yeah, the game master basically is. Out, you probably get an outline for the plot, and then you, yeah, you know, this it purports to be very character based. I think from what I was reading, but it's basically that's up to your players to, you know, build their little. Because this one, this one, you're you're basically building your own uh bridge crew. Hmm. But I think it's it got rules set up so, like, if you have five players and each one's a major uh character on the bridge, but like maybe the Ensign that's or pilot the, maybe the Sulu doesn't go down with every uh away mission, so you might have a redshirt one off uh no name guy that you also play <laughs> when, when they go on an away mission. Oh, but, and then you might set up a uh well, it's like okay, and now I'm going to set up this scene in the ready room to where I'm me, the uh GM is going to play an admiral that's coming in with a message. And I'm going to tell you all the, the Cardassians over here have uh, started up a blockade. Uh, We're sending your ship, Captain bleep blop, uh, you know, (laughs) played by, uh, you know, Jeff or whatever. So Captain Jeff. Yeah. 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 Hey, Captain Jeff. All right. So uh, what are you going to do about this Cardassian blockade? We're sending your ship over. And then, you know, then the Cardassian, the guy might say, well, okay uh we're gonna go, uh, go yeah go, we'll go over there and then some Geordie guys like well I think I'm gonna use my astro uh engineering to say try this
0: this know. is also interesting because it, uh, there's there's starship combat which makes it different than is that than yeah. diff- that's different than d d because there's no vehicles that you like the group controls right like is that unique I
1: mean there there's probably real there, I mean, there's probably, yeah, not in the core rules. No, I'm sure there's, there's home, people have homebrewed hacks to do, uh, you know, pilot in magical spaceship. And that's like, uh, one setting, but, but yeah.
0: Okay. So for the most part, that's that's kind of cool that you have like a, yeah, yeah. like a spaceship that you have to manage, I guess. Yeah. Um, All right, I kind I kind of get it. Really, like looking at this twenty four page PDF, it's talking about like systems, uh, Starship profiles with systems and departments and focuses and power and support and crew scale, resistance shields, and then it talks about like that's even before you get into uh, the operating the Starship with piloting and navigation, scanning objects and phenomena, other tasks. Right, so it seems like it just seems like this is very uh involved, yeah, moving over to the like I just kind of want to bring up you don't have to bring it up. I just kind of wanted to sure. uh bring up the original series character book is something that comes with this right player character two point six megabytes is. This is the the crew of the USS uh, Enterprise NCC-1701. You've got the original series characters, Captain James Kirk, commanding officer. Um, And then there's some like just vague like bits of business in this in this description. Like values, I don't believe in a no-win situation. Married to Enterprise, risk is our (sighs) business. There's no such thing as the unknown. So uh, and spirit of discovery, you can spend one determination to add three points to the momentum pool. The normal conditions for spending determination still apply. So it's like starts with one on the deter- determination skill. It just seems like a, a lot to remember.
1: Right. Yeah, there's that, pro- most of it's probably pretty simple. It's just like, oh, you're playing this. Is like, I don't believe in a no one situation. OK, that's just like it's just. That's what your character. That's how you're gonna role play your character. It's like just a hard ass when somebody says you can't do that, and you just go, "Oh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna fight back against that." So character.
0: that that's where there's yeah. a little bit of like fidelity to the to the character sheet, where where like yeah. So that's why it's important for that those kind of descriptions to be it, like just like to help you, like like an actor's motivation essentially. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay there's a lot. Of, yeah.
1: Some games will have like mechanics built in that, that re, kind of reward playing a two character. And then some of them might be more open-ended where you just do whatever, but yeah.
0: Now in this, why, why do they have these classic characters? Is it just cause they just assume that players think it's fun to like be their favorite characters or can you actually just make a, like a new ship out of like whole cloth and new characters and a new crew?
1: You can do that. I'm pretty sure they probably have pre-gens for, yeah, because people want to play Kirk and the, everything. But, yeah, going through the core book, there's, like, character creation rules in one chapter that, uh, yeah, I'm sure you can play whatever, you can play, what, you know, if you want to be an Andorian uh, scullery maid, you can probably find a way to do it. <laughs>
0: an Andorian scullery maid, that that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't know what that actually I hope yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know maybe yeah it's like the that's that's ROM cleaning the uh, sure the uh, mop in the mop
0: on the holodeck uh, holodeck yeah I guess you could do that uh, that would be that would be pretty fun Um, how long does it take to set one of these up if you're a game master like it seems to me that All right, okay there's two different questions I got about about this. Like, so if you're a D and D player, like you've been playing mm-hmm. like your entire life, like since you could read, right? Like you were a kid playing D and D, right?
1: Yeah, it was kind of bullshit. It was me and Lane bullshitting it, just the two of us, because because we were kids in the '90s when Magic came out and nobody played D and D, and it was not cool. <laughs> it's like I don't know, not where we were, anyways. It was
0: like sure. No, no no it 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 was it yeah. wasn't yeah the uh satanic panic really took over in the like even yeah right I,
1: yeah I was there for that because so. I I was into it and you know me and lane obviously were and then but we had like my oldest brother who's 12 years older than me we had these leftover books from like the early 80s with before before the satanic panic really shut everything down like D&D was really popular. Like, the popular... My brother was, like, a popular kid at school, and everybody had it and played it. And then, like, grew out of it and threw it away and just, like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Sure. And then I, my brother and I picked it up, you know. Like, but, like, by the time, you know, we were in high school, it's like... That it wasn't a fad anymore that any. Oh
0: no 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 no! It would definitely. No, it was. Yeah. That was definitely not.
1: Yeah, and then when we were in high school, like everybody was starting to play magic, and I was like, I don't want to play a wizard fight cart games. I want to tell a story, you know, like these game books that I read when I was a kid. Because, but then so Blaine and I would like, I one of us would be we'd do solo. Like one of us would be the dungeon master leading. Only the one person through a dungeon, or where it's harder to
0: do. But. Where is the player acumen come into? Like, if you're a player, if you're D and D player, like, how do you? What does a good D and D player look like? Like, like somebody who go, comes into a game and is like is good at playing D. Like, what does that even look like? If you're good at it, well. Does it mean are you the are can it, are you the person that can like build that character sheet like Thomas Violet says like I he gets into a game and he can't uh like yeah. he's ill equipped is like the good player uh is able to
1: depends on the game like there's a certain 3. in 3, 3rd edition especially you got really into the system mastery of it all and a lot of people now are just like really into building their characters above playing the game. And like, oh, I've opt- I've min-maxed this guy into being, uh, he's got those, he's going to hit the hardest because I put all the points into here and he's got a plus five ability score. So I'm, and, you know, and, and for organized play or certain games, that's like, that's, or certain GMs either that are kind of like built it just to be like, oh, I want to be the best at killing the monsters. That might be a good player. Hmm. Uh, personally, I like a people that get more into the storytelling of it like and yeah be like oh well i might not hit the hardest but i'm gonna have the most uh the most creative uh response to the situation yeah yeah some people will go wackadoo and a little bit too creative to the you know they're like i wanna i wanna you know uh well, can I fuck it? That's one kind of player it's Like that can be fun but like no you can't fuck the rock monster what are you doing?
0: Okay uh, so and that's the, the, the DM or the game master is the one that answers that question.
1: Yeah. Basically the player can say I, I, whatever you want to do try it. That's you're like oh well here's the situation whatever you want to do that's the beauty of a tabletop RPG versus computers or whatever like here's here's the situation you're in what do you want to do? Anything is on, you can try anything within reason. A good GM will say, well, okay. Yeah. Let's, or if it's something stupid, like I want to, I want to knock its head straight off over, over there. It's like, well, you can roll to try to do that. And if you suck, I'm going to come up with a complication that where you, you rolled a one when, and so you trip on your foot and you, you know, look like a dumbass." The, the, the elf over here laughs at you and okay,
0: are there real moments of excitement that can build in these games? Like depending on like, if is everybody like waited on bated breath to see how a roll will go. Does that ever happen?
1: Oh yeah, that can happen. Yes, for sure. I mean, if, you know, if you're in a fight, uh, where, you know, quote unquote life or death are on the table, like, Oh, you know, and then you need to hit and you miss and, you know, uh, then you die. (laughs) So, I mean, some people get really invested in just the fighting parts of it. Sure. And then, you know, like you might try to pull something off. Like I'm going to jump off this cliff and do a backflip and, you know, stab this thing or whatever. Dumb example, but like, okay, that's really hard to do. So you have to roll really well to do it, but uh, you have to try to do something crazy because you're about dead. So you got to do something really good to be able to, solve this thing in time. So you either have to go big or go home. And so, yeah, that the, the die might have a lot of import there. Like, okay. Huh?
0: Uh, yeah. It seems like that, that there's a real, uh, what I guess I didn't realize is that there's a, there can be a real focus on like telling the story that like if, a, if a game master plotted out something in advance, Mm -hmm. and just like leads bread like leads bread like the proper bread crumbs for the players to participate in the story like is Mm -hmm. that how is that how it works basically
1: so yeah i mean that's that's the dream for some people just want to go railroaded on a story where i'm going through this dungeon and we're going to kill all things and that's a viable way to play uh personally i have i like okay Everybody's improvising their characters. Well, here's the scenario, and we're creating a, like the collaborative storytelling uh, aspect of it. I find
0: uh, rewarding. Well, it seems to me that like couldn't isn't there built if it was theoretically a Star Trek game mm-hmm. if there's actually like a chain of command um, could that could right. that affect?
1: There seems to be for this game. Yeah,
0: could that affect like if you're the captain of a crew? Like, yeah, are you? Sort are you the captain? Are you actually the captain of the other players? And right, that that could be interesting. Yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it, it, it could be really bad if you have a bad captain. Sure. I guess, you know, you got, but <laughs> right. But I mean, ideally, you know, everybody's in to have a good time, so they're not going to be like, okay, no, you don't get to do anything. Right. I mean, it's fun to show it's 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 fun to wharf know a guy every time, but if the guy's not into being wharf node, it's gonna kill the mood a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's an but, excellent point. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of, you kind of. I mean, but there
1: there could be ways to have that if if everybody's on board and the guy guess, wharf node and wharf node. Okay, well, I'm going to do this anyway, and you piss the captain off. Oh, you're going to the brig. You could build a whole story out of that. That could be fun. The the it does seem to me that
0: they appeal to the, the appeal is to have the appeal of Star Trek is working together. Right, right, right. So I think that the spirit of that, if you're a Star Trek fan and you, if you're a fan enough, to play a RPG tabletop RPG yeah. that you would want to carry over what you enjoy in the show into the game. And I would imagine the spirit of like collaboration might be more yeah, uh, present Rather than a traditional, uh, you know, fantasy based RPG, right? Right. Where everybody's kind of like a uh, like a like a lone bat, like wanting to be the lone badass standout of the group. Yeah,
1: I mean th- that rarely works well, even in D anD D, but it happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, th- for pretty much any tabletop game, you really need to be able to support the group. Yeah, but some people have trouble doing that and want it to be, you know, like you got to be a, the part of being a the GM is knowing how to, uh, you know, give every player a moment to shine kind of thing. Hmm. And being a good player is not being the guy. Cause some, some people just don't want to, and just everybody goes to, the, some people are like, I really enjoy playing, but I'm timid and I don't like talking that much. So I'm cool just hanging back and being a part of the team and, whacking the monsters when they need to and speaking up maybe a little bit. And then some people might be timid and find the game as a whole way to be a whole different way and be like, you know, be very arrogant.
0: It sounds like you're describing somebody who's like, just like a born redshirt, just born to. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. Born to stand at the transporter uh, console and, and have two lines to beam somebody down.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what you want is for a cleric or a medical uh, officer. <laughs> like, okay, well, I'll heal you. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's a really good...
1: Instead of the guy that's like, no, I want to shoot. It's like, well, okay, you can rush in there and Leroy Jenkins it, and now we're all dead. Thanks a lot. <laughs> if you had held back and cooperated a little bit more, we may have been able to do something.
0: So that is a possibility that somebody could really just like screw up the game by going off uh, on their with their own agenda.
1: Oh yeah, I've had that kind of
0: like the the DM will allow that. I've I've
1: played with those guys, yeah, like or like you know, guys good guys, but it's kind of social weirdos and it's like, oh, we're all dying, and the guy's like, okay, I'm running away. It's like, but we're all dead now because you ran away and you just okay, thanks a lot. It's like, oh, but okay. <laughs> Now how how you know the whole point of the game is to fight. What
0: what are some ways that you can actually if you're if you're a game master, dungeon master, whatever and y- you can actually set up the game to last like a specific amount of time. Like what are some tricks to like be like let's make this game last like just like an hour and a half or whatever. Uh,
1: where, like, I mean it's tough you you well doing it for like doing the live show is like we just fuck it we're just i'm not and in one dice and just saying okay well you killed it okay you died instead of trying to get all the the minutiae of the rules, you have to let some of that go sometimes if you're trying to rush through a quick game oh because uh, you can some people you know like uh no i think i was playing with james and his kids in lane one time and we spent like an hour just trying to cross a tree trunk over a piece of water or something and it's like oh my god <laughs> you can you can get bogged down in little minutiae sometimes but you can also just like all right never mind
0: it depends on it just depends on
1: the game master it sounds like
0: it sounds like the game master really is yeah
1: yeah it's, it depends on the players too sometimes sometimes some players will be like no we have to do this thing it's like well okay well oh here you go let's figure out how to do it and then it, yeah
0: it really does sound, yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of, but yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room for for these things to get either become tedious or just calamity. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, tedious and calamity are like two ingredients uh, to a podcast too. So it's no wonder <laughs> it's right, no right. wonder that they they're like a popular format uh, uh, for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Now I know that you have um, you've kind of explained to me before the miniature aspect of it and I noticed at the back of these PDFs the Star Trek PDFs they have some cool little miniature oh I didn't you know trek stuff at what point at, at what point does the miniatures come into play and what do what what what's that all about I guess is what I'm asking
1: <laughs> It depends like you don't have to have miniatures to play so for fourth edition depends on the version like some games you kind of do like if it's uh just for like if you're in a combat or something and you want to say i'm shooting at that guy over there and what's in the line of fire sometimes you might have a grid where you like well you're here and you can move 30 feet so you're going to move over there if you're in a real strategic kind of uh gameplay and that's what you're into it can be good to have a miniature with a grid where you know where everybody's moving to how far away they are. Cause you're like, well, if you're, you have a melee attack, you have to be next to them but I'm shooting at range, how far away are they? Well, you can put a miniature down and say that you're 60 feet and we know exactly where they are. And, hmm. Or you can just, the, G, the GM can say, well, it, yeah, you're 60 feet away and you can theater the mind and just kind of improvise off the cuff. But you have a
0: good—you have a good—you personally have a good, like, collection of miniatures, like, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I have two—I got a whole shit ton of doll furniture and shit. But part of that is because I realized I got—I got back into playing in 4th edition D&D, which was basically you had to have miniatures to play the game. Whoa, but, you have to—you have to have the— Pretty much. The complaint at the time that people, like, there is a whole— edition wars that that the the grognards don't want to go back to like there's third edition was when they got into system mastery or whatever and then they killed third edition around the time that uh world of warcraft was really blowing up so they they're like basically there people will dispute it but like hasbro or wizards of the coast is owned by hasbro at that time maybe it might be Shortly after Hasbro bought or whatever, I'm not, I don't know. Nobody helped me to that, but they're like, "Oh, War Ward warcraft Warcraft's really popular. How can we make D D more like that?" Yeah, kind of like, so kind of like,
0: like whenever Instagram tries to like a lot more, yeah, pivot to video because TikTok exists. Like, right, right. The established so, beast, the established beast in the field, is afraid of the new the new thing. So they have to like mimic it.
1: Right. Which I had a lot of fun playing fourth edition, but there's a lot more what people would It was like, it's, it's like more of a, it's more of a board game than it is a role playing game, like, which is not true, but there was a lot of uh, tactical decisions and it was a lot of combat base that took forever to do. Uh, so, so I got in, I got really back into D and D then and, I bought a bunch of doll furniture. Basically, <laughs> I got a bunch of cave like 3D terrain stuff, and I bought a bunch of kick- belt when my Kickstarter problem started kicking in. So, like, I got I, I would you buy keep
0: you you keep that long enough, and you have you have like a like enough people in your family to like one day have a good uh, regular
1: campaign. That's I mean that's why I haven't gotten rid of the stuff to an extent. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I haven't used it in years too, but like. It looks cool when you set it up. It's just it's a lot of work. Right. <laughs> so I've never done it. <laughs> uh
0: That's funny. Um <laughs> you uh I think that's pretty much all my questions. Like I it sounds to me that if we were ever going to play a Star Trek RPG, we would have to have like a good game master that like is up to the task. Yeah. That sounds like the like the key. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I could try to do it at some point, but I would I would have to read that core book a little bit more the the mechanics are you roll two d twenty, and and you have to have a certain amount of successes for the for the difficulty of the task, and so for this game I, system I think you roll a d twenty and you want to get below whatever your number is it's kind of like cthulhu too i think but like so if you're really good at phaser combat you might have a skill up in like 16 or something because your for like your attributes give you a 14 and then your specific phaser skill gives you a plus 5 so you've got like a 19 is a t- so you have to roll below a 19 and that gives you one success but you roll 2d20 so you need three successes to win So you have to, or you need to, so you roll the 2d20 and you got one success and one not success. So it's a half ass. And so it might not be the, you can't, you don't phaser the thing to make it explode like at the end of season two, (laughs) but you might, you might wound it and it's pissed off. So there's a complication for the next round or something. Why would you have,
0: why would you have diplomacy as a, like, how do you roll for diplomacy? I guess is what I'm asking
1: well in a and old school D&D would be like yeah you just have to role play it and talk it out and the dm's going to decide whether it worked or not oh, but like but another way and a lot of uh, systems and more modern versions like well like well your character might re- really be good at talking but you as a player or not and you want to we we don't want to like just like reward the guy that's a little more shy and not going to be able to ah. you know, public speak about it. So, okay, well give me a, you know, tell me more or less what your guy's talking about and I will, and we'll roll and see how eloquent you are and talking to this Andorian, this uh, Gorn ambassador or whatever. <laughs> right. So like, okay. Nah. So you could say, okay, I'm going to try to explain water rights to him, and like, okay, well roll, give me a roll. And it's like, you rolled poorly. And it's like, well, they don't give a shit about water rights. They're going to come after you. Or it's like, oh, you you, you might know. not say exactly what you said, but since you rolled well, I'm going to say you really keyed into something that their culture really was into uh, because they're from an aquatic species and because you decided that you wanted to talk about water rights, this is why it worked really well or whatever, because you rolled really well. I'm going to make something up that makes Sense for why it works.
0: What's what's the ideal size? Like, what's the ideal size of a of a of a crew? Like, is it like a th- if you had like a a game master and like three people playing, would that be like an ideal game?
1: Probably for D anD D, that's like f- more or less ideal. Like, I think the 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 stats you gave at the beginning, the most games are about five people. Yeah. Uh, the more people you get, the more bogged down rounds will take because everybody's moving and so games it it games will last longer than more people and it's just more moving parts but uh so three is probably the sweet spot three or four is the stand like yeah one gm and three players is probably the easiest to run but then depending like if you have if every three of those players is good and uh it working together and being uh, dynamic, but you might have like one guy who's the timid guy who's not going to speak up as much. So, right, three, two, two uh, showboaters and one timid guy might not be as good as having, uh, you know, right, three guys and one, yeah, but yeah, three to three to five is the what you want. I'd say three is probably the closer to the sweet spot if you have the right people.
0: Hmm. All right. Well. I can't think of anything else. I'm sure I'll have more questions one day, but. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm not. Yeah. it's It's been yeah. a good t- I think I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I'm. Yeah.
1: No, I'm, I mean, I'm into this stuff. I, I feel like I've just been pedantic and. Just no, no like, you're, you know, I, I love the ship.
0: No, you've been great. This is uh Star Trek. I think it lends itself to like maybe a better role playing experience. I think that's my biggest takeaway from this. And I'm kind of comforted by the fact that this particular company uses like a blanket system for all of their like licensed stuff, because mm-hmm. that means I could probably find stuff on YouTube a lot easier on like how to play. Oh yeah. You know, better examples.
1: Right. I th- I think the Star Trek one is one of their biggest ones. But I don't know for sure. I I yeah. I'm not sure.
0: Hmm. I definitely wouldn't want to play I'd want to build my own character. I wouldn't want to be a like a legacy character. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd wanna have my Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd wanna have my own like a like a you know ship. I don't know how you build a ship in this. I guess there's probably an explainer in that. I assume there's rules for it. Yeah. All right, man. I think I'm gonna hit the hay. Yeah, me too. Uh, but thanks for coming out anyway, even though we we got a, a guy on um, vacation. Thanks for being patient with my ignorance. Oh yeah, happy
1: to anytime. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we, we can get more into shit later. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe maybe sometime we can figure out how to play something. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to do that. I definitely <laughs> like that's
0: that's my whole thing. It's like one, we don't have to do it rush into it. We can like peck away at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Sounds good to me. Peace out. All right, later. Hey, look! The Dungeons and Dragons ride!